Robert's story, my testimony of how I came to Christ. God gave me a rock, an interesting event in the garden. An eating disorder cured. Solving problems overnight. Infallibility. Finding my wife. God with me. Robert's story. I was born into the conventional Christian family. There were no other kinds of family at that time that I knew of. My mother had worked in a convent caring for children during the war, my father had served in the Canadian infantry, and we were regular churchgoers with dad reciting a short, broke prayer before dinner. As with all kids of the day I attended Sunday school. It was as my mother said, to get us out of the house if for no other reason. I was a quiet child and a paragon of faith in the eyes of my Sunday school teacher. The other boys were acting up and he held me up as the model of the Christian child. Which caused some laughter among my peers who knew I was not a Christian. When asked about my position by my teacher I rejected God in front of him, much to his dismay and the pleasure of my peers. I was about twelve at the time. I never saw him teach Sunday school again. I started questioning society more generally when I was seventeen. I read politics and economics and realized I did not agree with capitalism and became a communist. I rejected communism a few years later after further reading and some experience during protests. Wanting to understand human beings better, I started to read some biology and cytology. Later I branched off into paleontology and anthropology. During this time, I read about evolution. This was when I was 18 or so. I rejected evolution theory because of my earlier reading of cytology. I saw no way the cell would ever be created from atoms or simple molecules. I had already rejected the Bible and saw no reason to reconsider my position. Creationism was a non-starter. For about 35 years I rejected both evolution and creation. I began to focus on unemployment as having the key to a solution. If whatever I was reading did not lead to an understanding or the elimination of unemployment I moved on. Seeking a solution to unemployment was a long and difficult search. I read widely in many philosophies, sciences and religions, but always I had an eye on finding why unemployment existed. Joblessness made no sense to me. It was the absurdity of a system that needed people to be out of work that led me to the conclusion humans were not actually rational. Eventually, in my thirties, I created a rough macroeconomic outline of a solution. I was even attempting to promote this by the time I was about thirty-five. I could not however, explain why the theory worked precisely. There was no microeconomic method of implementation. I saw this as a problem of establishing a philosophical framework within which unemployment would be explained as a symptom of a broader problem. This work was largely fruitless and I made little headway for some fifteen years. I started to read the Bible when I was about 48, partly as a diversion and partly to disprove it. I was frustrated at not being able to deepen or broaden the basic statement of my solution. Disproving the Bible was meant to give me an ego boost after my years of fruitless research. I read and re-read the Bible over and over again. The more I read it the better I understood it. It made more and more sense and had fewer and fewer issues, as so many issues I had were resolved. What was significant however was seeing it contained a more sophisticated version of my idea. The Bible was my theory in great detail, but I knew if I had not developed the theory I had, the truths of the Bible would never have been revealed to me. They had not in 2000 years been revealed to anyone else.
I converted at 50 to see what would happen to my theory and to see if this would help to complete my work. About two years later I accepted creationism as a reality. When I was around 6-5 I managed to finish my theory in at least a rough model. Since then I have deepened and advanced my knowledge and over that time my theory has held up and never diverged from scripture, meaning the Bible has always proved capable of giving me a way to develop my theory. This theory is the most developed and sophisticated theory ever developed. It solves all known social problems, is empirically verifiable, quantifiable and 100% consistent with scripture. It offends many atheists and Christian, but no one can refute it. It is a theory of everything and proves that for 6,000 years mankind has been living a lie. But these lies can be reversed. The truth is in the Bible and apriorism reveals them in clear and uncontestable detail. God gave me a rock. A testimony. Luke 11 verse 11 If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? If you do not believe God takes an active interest in your life, even the insignificant facets of daily living, you will be confounded by this testimony. It's a story about God, a garden pond, a rock and me. I did not think it was a big deal at the time. It was only after some weeks the full realization of what had happened hit me. I was at that time, a relatively new Christian. But I knew God answers prayers and does special things for people, even without prayers being made. God is active in our lives even if we are unaware of what is going on. I had a small pond in the front yard. For three years it was worked on and redesigned. In 1999 it required repair. A small upper pool formed of cement had cracked, ruining the waterfall that was supposed to flow from it, but I could not get around to repairing it. In the early fall of that year, I was looking at the damage and thinking that, rather than fixing the concrete spillway, it might be better to put a flat rock under the damage. It was a small pool about 12 inches across. The water could flow off the rock and into the pond below. I lay down in the front yard to ruminate on this repair. However, no sooner had I relaxed on the ground than God lifted me up. I do not know how else to describe it. I did not choose to get up. A force took over my body and while my muscles were doing the work, the force caused me to rise up. A vision of a stone, a bit over a foot round and convex on top was in my brain. Trust me, I was not in the mood to start fixing the pond and the very idea of finding a rock that shaped without a lot of searching seemed overly optimistic. But I felt compelled to try. In my mind was a pile of rocks dumped at a building site just down the road. I got to the place, and nothing was there. Not a stone was to be seen. This struck me as weird because there were always stones piled there. It was at a building site and though people removed some for their gardens, more were always being added. I pulled over to the curb and sat thinking. I was wondering where to go next. As I sat there, looking out through the passenger side window, I saw a bit of a stone poking out of the dirt. It was perhaps five square inches of round surface visible. It did not interest me much because it was buried in the mud. It looked round and I really wanted to find a flat one preferably in a pile of rocks. That way I would be able to select the one nearest to the shape I desired. I kept looking at this rock. My gaze was transfixed on it. Then I saw another rock, sitting on top of the dirt, about six or seven inches in diameter a foot or so away. It looked useful. But it too was round.
Then a couple of feet away another rock about the same shape and size appeared. So now I had two reasonably good rocks that could be used somewhere and one whose shape and size was unknown. I got out of the van and pried the hidden rock out of the dirt. It was exactly the stone I saw in my vision. It only looked round because of the way it was buried. The flat side was down. The interesting thing about this is that I never prayed to God to help me find a rock, why would I? I hardly thought he would be concerned about a rock, yet he cared enough to provide me with exactly the rock I needed, and he did it in such a way that there is no doubt in my mind as to his presence. The interesting thing is that I had set out to find one rock and had found three, where initially I had not seen any. I took all three home. The two round ones were placed side by side. I then laid the flat rock on top of these two and the water flowed perfectly with no adjustments needed. One, two, three, done. Just like that. For weeks this event played itself in my mind, over and over again. I thought about it a lot. It was God showing me he is not just loving us in an abstract way. His love is personal, even playful. He was having fun that afternoon. The more I thought about the incident, the more I realized what a personal and loving God he is. Today that incident that once seemed not worth recounting is one of the most profound events in my life. God loves me so much he found me a rock. My eating disorder. I have no idea when the problem started or if I always had it, but I used to have a very difficult time feeling full. I still do not feel thirsty and have to remember to drink to keep hydrated. In fact, given a chance I would gorge myself. I could eat a block of ice cream or a pie in one sitting. But as I was young and worked strenuous jobs, I never became chubby. As I was hypoglycemic, I could not eat much in the way of sweets or high-calorie treats, despite a weakness for them. My favorite snack foods were ice cream especially with apple or pumpkin pie or fruit cocktail. When I was a youth mom would make a large dish of rice pudding. I would gorge on this and when I could eat no more would lay down for a half hour and return and finish it off. I left home in my teens and could not afford to eat constantly. In any case I was working. Though many times I would buy my groceries for the week and eat them off during the weekend, having to live on porridge for the week. I could gain and lose four pounds over the week. In my later teens I did get involved in healthy living, taking vitamins and other supplements. Of course, I overdid these as well, having about three square feet of space covered in all kinds of supplements. Supplements included B vitamins, molasses, glucose and brewer's yeast. Which, for a hypoglycemic is like pouring gasoline on a fire. I would eat so many supplements I often found it difficult to eat a meal. But it was when I began to take glucose and other sugars for energy along with molasses, brewer's yeast and other sources of B vitamins that I really began to have problems. I would walk rapidly around my room sweating profusely to stop from killing myself, until I burned off the sugar. At which time I would lapse into a coma. A hour or so later I would partially revive. Sometimes I would redo this treatment. I knew something was wrong and did research until I learned I was hypoglycemic. I have stayed away from sugars for the most part since that time but it is not each to do with the way things are made. It requires staying away from processed food as just about anything from a factory has sugar in it. But I still had the problem of overeating, or as they say, binge eating. One day at work, after I turned Christian, I felt the malady being lifted off me. 
It was precisely that way. It was as if I was carrying a weight and God picked it up. There is no other way to describe it. I knew exactly what was being lifted even as it was taken from me. I never felt the need to overeat from that day on. Solving problems overnight. I used to worry problems to death as an atheist. I would write countless notes about problems and worry about the issue from waking to sleeping. But after I came to Christ I would fall asleep with a problem and wake up with it solved. I am not sure how much credit I can even take for a priori analytics as so much of it came to me upon waking. Infallibility. The Bible is infallible but so are my a priori analytics cannot be refuted even though it can be tested and verified true. But it is not just amenable to testing, it is logically coherent and 100% consistent with scripture. The Bible tells us the truth is written in our hearts. We are also told that if we are faithful we ought not worry about what we say when asked why we have faith. I am constantly asked questioned and mocked and I never say anything I need to retract. Even when I do not know what it is I am actually saying or why or if it is really true. I find out afterwards, it is true. But the truth does not come out of conscious knowledge but from logic and the truth of God. In all of my writings I never need to study, and if I need to look up a verse or a reference I never need to research what I am writing about. I write about three pages a day on all subjects without needing to analyze what is being said or what the truth is concerning the subject I am discussing. Finding my wife. I started work when I was 11 or 12 picking raspberries for 0.07 a pint which made me about $1.25 a day. I also worked on a neighbor's farm but that was for food and the fun I thought it was though it was actually hard work. My first real job was at 15 working as a butcher an occupation I stayed with all my life as it paid well and left my mind free to think. One boss told me if I had thought about what Z was doing I would not have made a particular mistake, I told him that after 30 years in the business if I was still thinking about what I was doing I ought to be fired. In the early days it was a very cyclical business and so I was always being laid off, which I used to my advantage, spending as much time as I could reading and writing. But one had to go through the motions of looking for work. So one time I got dressed in a suit and went to learn how to sell insurance. The only time I ever wore a suit to work. I ended up scoring the highest for any member of that firm, and it was an old, established company and a major insurance provider. But I never did sell any insurance. However I did go into the cafeteria and as I stood waiting to be served the cashier caught my eye. As silly as it might sound rockets and starbursts went off in my head. We'll not go into all the details but nigh on 50 years we are still married. But the point is, I was in England, I came back to Canada the same time she did, and we both moved to the same location in Toronto and we both went to work in the same company though it was only because I was unemployed and decided to try something different from my trade. We are mixed race when it was still uncommon. God with me. I was born poor and have worked with my hands from about 11 until about 72. I knew I would never be able to get a higher education and never actually wanted one. I did not mind selling my body but my mind was not for sale. In short, I never prepared for anything but manual work. My first serious reading occurred when I was around 13. I took some books out of the library on pig farming. That was my dream job at the time. The point is, I was occupied by physical labor. 
A short time after I became a Christian I was mulling over things, some call it daydreaming, as was my habit. My passion for daydreaming was one reason why I preferred to sell my labor but refused any intrusion into my mental space. The event I recall here makes no sense from a physical perspective. In some ways it is an event that is impossible to recount. But in the span of a millisecond, I felt God's presence. He laid out my life before me, like a scene expanding from the present point in time. It showed that throughout my life, past and future, God was with me. God was with me in the past and would be with me in the future. There was no sense of a beginning or an end and it was over as soon as it happened. 